Welcome back to the Game Link Podcast. I'm your host, Lebby, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Elmer. Hi, holy. Um, if you're, uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is where we talk about, um, our, our favorite or the worst, <laughs> usually, video game movie adaptations. You could have just said some of the worst movies of all time as well, and it'd still stand the same amount of clout on that one, because, yeah, God, Blood Rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blood Rain, that was, that was rough. But, um... Yeah, we've been gone for a while. Uh, originally, we were going to take a couple weeks off for celebrations we had going on over the 4th, and then there was, like, COVID and other trips and just... Uh, Anything that could go wrong in the year of our Lord 2022, it seemed to happen to both of us at yeah. the same time. So, again, very sorry about all of this breakup, but, uh, hey, if anything, maybe this will give us a good kick in the ass to make a even yeah. bigger effort to produce even more content to fill in the gap there, so... Yeah, so we're back, and uh, yeah, I guess it, since it's been almost two months now, uh, what what's new in the world of Elmer? Uh, pretty much after getting back from my trip, back up to the UP, which was uh, quite a good time uh, last week. Um, not too much in the meanwhile. Uh I'm now in the, <laughs> I'm now in the 30 years old and the up camp, which is kind of a weird feeling. But oh, yeah, uh, yeah. other than that, nothing too strange or too beyond explanation to really come up with. How about you, Levy? Yeah, so I didn't, uh, I didn't do any traveling, but I, um, <clears throat> I got one second. <clears throat> I got my Steam Deck finally, uh, and I'm. <laughs> It's constantly in my hands. I've gotten a lot of use out of it in just... I've had it like two weeks. Um, I'm completely obsessed with it. And I have like a nice gaming desktop just in the room right there. But uh, there's nothing like playing a game silently on the couch while your partner watches their show or whatever, you know? He sounds like an 11-year-old. They just figured out it's not just for peeing. Uh, yeah, so I got the Steam Deck. I'm super pumped about that. Um, I watched a bunch of good shows. Uh, like right now, I'm working my way through. Um, it's called The Rehearsal. Uh, it's a Nathan Fielder show. So if you've ever seen like Nathan for You, um, it's that guy. So the whole premise of the show is he um, helps people rehearse for big moments in their life or big, you know, like the first episode is someone who wants to break the news to his friends that he's been lying about something for years and so he'll he'll let go super extra and build whole like set recreations of like bars and stuff and like rehearse the conversation or the scenario with these people and it is it doesn't sound like it would be hilarious but it is so hilarious uh so i definitely recommend that one check it out uh what else the new Beavis and Butthead series is uh, is pretty good. I've, I've been enjoying that. I've not had a chance to check that out yet, but I'm very excited they take a, to keep an eye on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, it is funny, and it still feels like old Beavis and Butthead, which is great. Um, yeah, and then I, uh, I, my partner and I made a an offer on a house, so hopefully. Hopefully the month of October we won't be streaming because I'll be moving and setting up my new streaming room and all that stuff. So 
um i'm excited so yeah it's been a it's been a busy couple months but yeah it's good to be back um today we're talking it's we're gonna be doing things a little differently uh this episode because um it's been so long since we did an episode and we didn't want to watch another blood rain right so we decided let's watch something we know we will like and will relate to video games somehow so we chose aliens and contra which as you can tell by our awesome poster on the (laughs) on the video if you're watching the video um it just really hits the nail right on the head it no, that's the a really good distillment of it. Uh, for depending upon if you're listening to this via a streaming platform or something like that, or like a podcast platform, and there isn't an actual little uh, poster card that's able to come up, we were able to find which you can find it right underneath the nude pictures of Rihanna, Jennifer Aniston, and then the Frank Frazetta of an Atlantean versus a bull for some strange reason. Um, when you type in Contra fan art. <laughs> Which, if someone could explain to me why the algorithm does that, I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> anyway, um, there's a picture that somebody doctored up. They put um, Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator in a blue headband next to Sylvester Stallone from Rambo First Blood Part 2. But they photo... Oh, wait, no, no. They just photoshopped Stallone's head onto Schwarzenegger's body from a different still from Predator. <laughs> and then they just photoshopped the alien queen in the background. And it still fucking fits. Yeah, it's great. It, it looks just like the Contra box art. But with... I mean, because obviously the box art was, was based off of Schwarzenegger and Stallone's characters. But we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, so, yeah. And we decided to watch aliens and not alien because uh aliens is like more of an action movie and uh it's i think it might still be elmer's favorite movie uh top three top Top three three. definitely favorite alien movie top uh, top three and let's put it this way my top three consists of actually a top six but (laughs) it's tied with um don't punch me when I say this. It's tied with Mad Max Fury Road in the number two spot. I mean, number one spot is uh, is another tie. That's um, the Shawshank Redemption and John Carpenter's The Thing right there. But yeah, second spot. I, I I hate to do it too. I mean, I mean, you did go to school for like special effects and makeup, so I can see why you'd like Fury Road. Uh, because other than having absolutely no story, that movie did look great. Uh, so well, hey, what about the Junkie XL score to that movie? That movie sounds amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, admit it, admit it. But how it was much did after you they either were get a tiny half chub or at least peed a little when you had the Tycho drummers on the back of that truck, and then it whips around in that pan for that helicopter shot, and you realize there's the dude. In the red jumper with the wall of speakers behind him, oh. playing the fire spewing guitar in the war wagon. Admit it, you got at least a little half chub or a little pee came out. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> so so it was cool, but the thing is, it was teased in the trailers, so I uh, was already expecting it. Um, but yeah, that was pretty bad. I mean, there's a lot of stuff badass about it. It just had a shit story. Um. Sorry if I'm offending anyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, 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 no. I just, I just like to remind people that it's just like, yes, you do not like that movie on, a, on an actual storytelling level, which is fine, but at the same time, even you are able to look at that movie and go, no, that movie's a fucking visual feast. It's just, really? Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, anyway. Sorry, but, uh, for a digression. What's, what's the deal with aliens here, Elmer? Oh, the deal with aliens. Well, yeah. the deal with aliens is this. There's a 1979 movie called Alien, directed by a gentleman by the name of Ridley Scott, which the, one of the main villains from the Metroid series is actually named after him. Also because of just the idea of a pervasive alien parasite that gets into everything. It's kind of a dystopic cyberpunk future kind of thing. <laughs> as well as a strong female protagonist of uh, Samus, who's highly inspired by the character of Ellen Ripley, played by Sigourney oh, Weaver throughout yeah, this that, entire series. That totally makes sense, too. We could have talked about so many different video games. Oh, so many. And if anything, yeah. I think we've got a little <clears throat> digression later, once we get done with Contra, on whatever else Aliens here has helped to influence over the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, this movie called Alien came out in 1979, uh, originally based off of a script by a gentleman by the name of Dan O'Bannon, a uh, gentleman who later went on to do uh, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, he had, was originally was one of the writers on the movie Dune, the original script of Dune that uh, oh. Jodorowsky was working on. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, wrote on the script for Total Recall and stuff like that. Um, hilariously, how he kind of came up with the idea for this movie was that he was a massive misogynist and somewhat of a sex fiend himself. And I guess basically one of the things that he felt was entirely creepy was the idea of, well, what if he took the male gaze and flipped it on itself so it's something impregnating a male via something that's going down your throat and simultaneously it's something penile breaking, bursting out of you in that case. Yeah. So it's both a, like the most nightmarish forms of, you know, uh, both ends of the sexuality you both have the fear of birth and the fear of like penetration rape whatever you want to be just coming out of you at the same time and all on top of that o'bannon had crohn's disease so basically he was suffering with intestinal issues <laughs> and gut problems his entire life so he's like oh i know that pain i know what that'll be like but uh, and, uh, and you said he was a bit of a misogynist Oh, all of it. <laughs> oh, so of course the scariest thing to him is a straight man playing the role of a female in <laughs> also a nine foot tall dick monster but yes you are correct <laughs> uh, movie was directed by Sorry, Ridley Snowflakes. Scott gentleman who has now gone on to make uh, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down mm -hmm. Thelma and Louise you know, just one of the masters of his craft this was his second film that he did um, Sigourney Weaver John Hurt uh, Yafat Koto Ian Holm Bilbo Baggins, the first Bilbo Baggins from the Lord of the Rings trilogy is in that movie. If you haven't seen Alien, check it out. It's a goddamn ma horror masterpiece. Mm. The design by H.R. Geiger is iconic, to say the least. This sort of metallic, industrial, reptilian nightmare monster. It, it, if you haven't seen the movie, watch it. I will say this, though. It's atmospheric. It's a haunted house movie in space, is what that is. It's, <laughs> it it takes its time and it's pacing slow, but you know what? It's all worth it in the end. And in the wake of Star Wars in 1977, all of a sudden, there's a horror movie set in like a realistic industrial future. Of course, I want to see that. And people flocked to the theaters, and they spent a lot of money. And that movie made gangbusters in 1979. Yeah, yeah. 
So much so that after our good friend Jimmy Cameron, uh, director of Titanic and Avatar <laughs> and uh, The Terminator and Terminator mm-hmm. 2, and uh, hilariously, Piranha 2 The Spawning, which is about flying piranhas. And uh, if you get a chance, you check that movie out too. It's pretty bitchin'. Anyway, after his smash success in 1984 of The Terminator, which uh, made a hell of a lot more money than anyone else could have expected, uh, he went into a pitch meeting with the executives at 20th Century Fox to try to sell them on some movie ideas that he had. And uh, he was kind of going down the list, and one of the ones that he said that he brought up was that his brother... Uh, had been a Vietnam veteran and that just sort of seeing his brother's response to post-traumatic stress syndrome of not being able to both relate to what it's like to be back in normalized society or into kind of the way that things used to be in his life while simultaneously having to face the nightmare every single night and day of what he'd been through. He said it was just kind of a heartbreaking thing and I wanted to help my brother get a little bit of, you know, redemption or overcoming of that. So he thought, what is a better aspect to kind of show that and what it takes to persevere and make, you know, to show your own traumas that, you know what, I am over you, I have beaten you, I have gotten past that, to give it a wraparound of a badass science fiction action movie. And that's why he said, I want to make a sequel to Alien. And it's going to be called, and he writes on the board behind them, (laughs) Aliens. S with a plural, not Alien 2, Aliens. And I guess I should say, this is an anecdote since about the mid-1990s, so no one knows if this is true or not, but supposedly the 20th Century Box Board looked at him and were like, I don't know, I think it's still kind of risky, it's a high-budget concept, you want to put all this into it, and it's to a sequel to a movie that's been out of theaters for almost seven years, are you sure this is a good idea? And the story goes, supposedly, well, Cameron realized, oh... I'm losing them. He said, wait, I got it. He stood up, walked over to the board, and put at least, he changed the S into a dollar sign, and that's what made the executives go, oh! <laughs> and then this movie did go on to make a shitload of money in 1986, as well as receive two, or uh, no, actually, three Academy Award nominations for Best Score, uh, Best Special Effects, and Best Actress for Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Get away from her, yeah. you bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, with that, with the production on this film, um, they utilized a lot of design work that Geiger had utilized for the first film, uh, but they brought in a gentleman by the name of Stan Winston, who had previously worked on Cameron's uh, movie that he had done right before in The Terminator. And it's actually because of the work that he did on this that Winston was able to go on and go even further in his career, create other iconic monsters like the Predator. And then also because of the Alien Queen work he did on this, oh yeah, he did a little thing called bringing dinosaurs back from the fucking dead for Jurassic Park. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Until it's untimely passing in 2008 from uh, uh, cancer, unfortunately. But uh, no, uh, Stan Winston, a god among special effects artists in terms of what he and his crew were able to figure out to do on such a large scale like that. Uh, the work on this film is incredible in terms of how they were able to take something that is supposed to take place in the 23rd century, and yet it still feels retro 1980s. It's kind of awesome. Everything from just the hard plastic look of everything, which is both... It feels both concurrent, yet like speculative at the same time, which is pretty nice. 
the iconic M41A pulse rifle that they're running around with and shooting these aliens with, which is just a Thompson submachine gun wrapped up in plastic with a 870 Fieldmaster shotgun with the barrel cut down, just literally soldered to the end of it. It all it all seems like realistic enough at first until you really start to analyze it. Right? Yeah, when you start thinking about the logistics, you're like, yeah, this this feels a little over the top here, there, and everywhere. But at the same time, when you look at the performances in it, where you've got Sigourney Weaver giving a performance that goes everywhere from feeling like she's you know like having a melt that or like she's like having a mental breakdown and almost like in the fetal position, about to cry, but say but then whips it back around into. I'm going to rip your throat out with my teeth, bitch. Um, you know, let go of my fucking uh, coupon for Chipotle. <laughs> um, all the way over to uh, one of my all-time favorites, may he rest in peace, Bill Paxton as uh, Private Hudson yelling ga- my favorite movie line of all time, game over, man, game over. <laughs> um, Which, um, by the way, did we tell them what I got you for your 30th birthday, Elmer? Oh, did we? Oh, I don't. I don't believe we have. Ooh. I don't think so. Yeah. So for his thirtieth birthday, I got him a a whiskey decanter and glass set that uh, you know has a little emblem like engraved on the front and on the back. It says "Game Over, Man, Game Over." Uh, and then the glasses have our nicknames for each other from high school. <laughs> Strawberry and Puddin' Pop. <laughs> yep. So I. Yeah, I I was really proud of that one. It seemed uh, seemed like a great gift idea, so I'm glad you Again, liked it. Again, thank you so much. I've yeah. used that thing so much in the past two months, you wouldn't <laughs> believe. I haven't been able to thank you again on camera for that. Hey, no worries. Like, I, you, Unfortunately, I do, it is right? empty as of this morning, in that I had to clean it this morning. That's why it is currently empty. <laughs> I didn't empty it this morning, damn it. I emptied it last night, but I cleaned it this morning. <laughs> um go. But yeah, unfortunately, the only thing I get sitting at my house right now is the most disgusting $15 bottle of whiskey I've ever bought from uh, the UP of Michigan called Well. So do yourselves a favor. If you're going to buy Well, at the after you take one sip, you're going to look at it and go, Well, Because, eh. <laughs> well. oh, God. It tastes, it tastes like you're drinking fucking Aquanet. Oh, Ugh. man. It's like hairspray. Uh-huh. But uh, yes, no. Thank you again for that. That is bitching. Yeah. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> also in this film are the legendary character actors Michael Bean from other films such as The Terminator, as well as Tombstone and the Rock, and then oh, everybody's favorite scary dude and everything, Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> oh, I love me some Lance Hendrickson from everything from Millennium to Near Dark to well, pretty much this film. He was the uh, he was the android, right? Yep, the android guy yeah. in this, yeah. which I've gotten to both meet both him and Mister. Er, yes, I've been able to meet Mister. Henriksen and Mister. Bean. It feels weird every time I <laughs> fucking say that, but both of them <laughs> are the greatest and two of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Um, they just are able to show off all their prowess in this. Bean is able to show just like this effortless level of just, you know seriousness and charm at the same time and you know Henriksen is able to just be both scary but professional at the same time and it's just like I don't know how to read them but they both feel both intimidating but sexy at the same time (laughs) like Richard Gere in American Gigolo minus the (laughs) sit-ups but oh um also and uh 
Jeanette Goldstein, who is awesome as uh, Vasquez in this, which is just another iconic role. Mm -hmm. uh, as Private Hudson says to her, hey, Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a woman? Which she snaps back, no. Have you? Which or, No, been mistaken for a man. Oh, sorry. Been mistaken. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I've got a canker yeah. sir that's killing me today, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sure, it happens when you run out of whiskey. And you don't own mouthwash. Because you ran out of whiskey. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, production on this film, they try to go for a little bit of a grounded, sort of modern, mil militaristic feel, but also kind of give it a little bit of a postmodern feel. Um, the infamous M41A pulse rifle, like I said, they tried to keep that as realistic as possible. The smart gun that they're running around with, which you yourself said, that thing looks like it weighs 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Which, it was quite heavy. Um, it was attached to a steady cam rig that they just dressed up underneath some armor for the characters running around with it. it was actually a World War II German machine gun called Hitler's Buzzsaw, aka the MG42, <laughs> that had over a 2,000 round per minute fire rate to it. They call the Hitler's buzzsaw because, as many American GI put it, it sounded like you were tearing a bedsheet in half when the thing went off. Damn. So it was that powered by a solenoid that was attached to a motorcycle <laughs> br uh, brake on the back of it was how you would hold it, and you're shooting the blank out the end of it. And um, if you ever need to know what you really Jesus. can get me for my 40th birthday, there you go. Je Jesus. <laughs> That's intense. They wanted uh, what when Cameron went into this film, as he said, I want everything on screen to be as practical as possible in terms of how it will work for the actors and the people on screen to use it, to work with it, as well as for it to work the same way as it should in the movie. That's right. why he wanted the most reliable possibility, wanted everything to be reliable. He wanted everything to work and he wanted all of it to look effortless. And I'll say outside of everybody looking like they're wearing goddamn uh, football pads with a <laughs> with the nastiest looking bug hel or like uh, beekeeper helmet I've ever seen on. Yeah, no, everything looks pretty effortless and they look like they're kicking ass and taking names. So, yeah, this is one movie where it's like the the uh, the story doesn't have necessarily have to be super unique or engaging because like the overall like beats are are good and then it just looks great and it really like builds suspense at some parts it was it was awesome like I've obviously seen it many <laughs> times before but uh, yeah it's always a fun watch. I mean, you know, you've got the whole thing of you've got this cocksure of just, oh, yeah, we got this. We're going to kick ass sort of Marines busting in there, kicking the door and getting ready to do it. And they find out, oh, wait, no, this isn't what we signed up for. This isn't what we're used to. And then getting completely turned on its head. I mean, you look at the better half of 70 years of pretty much world conflict and you see how that's kind of been the case. And you're just okay. like, no, this movie kind of called it, you know, it basically was a satire of Vietnam, and it's almost a precursor to what we've been going through over the past 20 years here with the United States, as well as world diplomacy with just any country. And it's just like, wow, this is actually really cold. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I like, I do like how everything, like, felt, yeah, like you were saying before, like, in the realm of possibility, where, like, it's believable that this is literally just, like, a group of, of space military, you know? Like, uh, even at one point when they're piloting the drop shot, uh, the drop pod 
down to the planet. Like, the pilot's wearing aviators. I'm like, why is she wearing sunglasses in space? (laughs) (laughs) And I look at Levy and I just go, well, she's the pilot and there's the sun right there. It's really bright. And he looks at me and he goes... Like, but they're in space. Do you think they're wearing sunglasses on the space shuttle? And it's just like, actually, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, like no one else is wearing sunglasses. Apparently, the sun isn't blinding anyone else. It's not that. Yeah, it was, it was weird. But like, it's just like little things that. Once you actually think about them, you're like, huh? Like okay, but in the moment, like it it really fits the movie, and you. It it fits the theme of yeah. It's a cocksure, just oorah, get in there, kick ass, take names, kind of just, oh yeah, we've been here, we've done that, and then feeling going, oh no, we are completely out of our league. Yeah. This is the exact opposite of the spectrum, and we are getting our asses kicked. It's kind of the whole, I mean, that's the whole synopsis of the movies, so to speak, so. But, um, yeah, what do you think? Sigourney Weaver, did she, should she have won that Best Supporting Actress, or Best Actress nomination at the Academy Awards for Get Away From Her, You Bitch. Which still makes me smile knowing that that is what they actually played um, at the ceremony for. Nominee Sigourney Weaver. Get away from her, you bitch. What, uh, what, what else came out in 86? I don't know. Right? Like, Karate Kid, maybe? Then, yeah. I guess. Depending so Sigourney on... Weaver and Ralph Macchio? <laughs> Depending on who Sigourney was up against, it would be questionable, maybe. Uh, but I can't think of anything else from '86 off the top of my head. So sure. Ah, shit. There's one other thing I was gonna bring up quickly. This is kind of a quick little funny aside. Um, I mean, really, what else is there kind of go over with aliens? I mean, you know, it's just kind of an iconic sci-fi. Oh, that's what it was gonna be. Um, so to actually get the Marines to just beat it into the people who played the Marines in their head in terms of what they were playing. They actually did get former Navy SEALs to come in and kind of coach them and kind of train them and show them the ropes on how to actually get in there and do this, so to speak. Uh, What Cameron actually did is he told them, okay, guys, this is Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers. I want all of you to read this. So they all read Starship Troopers to get into that headspace of that. Well, 10 years later, when they were filming... The Starship Troopers movie. <laughs> um, instead of assigning the actors to read the book, instead Paul Verhoeven went, No, 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 just watch Aliens. Just watch the Aliens movie. <laughs> that makes and, sense. And here's the thing, though. That's not, I'm not making fun of Paul Verhoeven there because that is exactly what that movie needed to be. And I'm so happy <laughs> that that is what he did for that movie instead. And it's all for the better. <laughs> I don't know how we need to rope it in, but God, we gotta do Starship Troopers for this show at some point. Oh boy, we can play that shitty FPS game oh, they made like twenty please, years ago. Please, no, please don't make me. Oh come on, it's kind of fun. It's like tower defense, but you know we're inside there and we're killing the bugs. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun live stream, wouldn't it? I guess. I guess. I'll think about it. <laughs> We'd be the only two people on the entire internet to be playing it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, obviously, this movie. Or like this series of movies had a lot of impact on video games. Like, I know you mentioned like Metroid earlier. 
Uh, like it definitely had an impact on the Halo games with like the oh, flood <laughs> and. I mean, you look at this movie and you compare it to the first Halo game, and the guys who made Halo, they flat out said they were like, "Look, we changed everything we could just enough." That we wouldn't get sued by Fox. They're yep. like, no, we fully <laughs> ripped off Alien for this. I mean, Sergeant Apone is. I mean, there is no way anyone could look at Sergeant. Or sorry, sorry. Oh yeah, Sergeant Johnson from Halo and go, yeah, no, that's not the guy from Alien. No, or Aliens. No <laughs> Looks way. exactly like him. Looks like him. Sounds like him. Smokes cigars like him. It's like, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Um. Obviously, we're gonna be talking about Contra. So there's. There's uh, influence there, but how the fuck did I forget that? Oh, or should I save that? What should I save the connection with this film, The Doom, for the Doom episode, or should I bring that up now? Uh, I guess don't give too much away because we can do Doom maybe shortly after this, maybe next episode. That's a good idea. All I can say is, back in 1991, five years after this film came out. A little production studio outside of Austin, Texas, contacted 20th Century Fox and James Cameron and said, we would like to actually borrow, uh, actually get your trademark of aliens to, make, to develop a first-person shooter for you. 20th Century Fox went through multiple meetings with them and then decided to pull the plug at the last minute because they didn't think that they'd be able to make the money back on the investment just because of how... PC was not quite as entirely wasn't in, wasn't quite as retailer friendly in terms of brand recognition as say like uh, console games were at that time. Yeah, yeah, PC gaming was behind console gaming until like the early nineties, thanks to Doom. Yep, aka what came out of the Aliens video game prototype. Till next time, folks, on that Yeah, one. yeah. We'll have a lot to talk about on the Doom episodes. That could be a, that could be an interesting one. Because even just off the top of my head, without the research, I was just about to go on and on about Doom. So Figured I'd throw that in there for a little bit of a teaser, folks. So, <laughs> till, till the next episode on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so Contra, Contra is one that took a lot of inspiration from Alien. Um so it's like a run-and-gun shooter. If you've never played it, it's known for being like one of the original like hard, hard, hard games. Um, but it's like a run-and-gun, side-scrolling, platforming shooter. That's um, one of the greatest. I mean, even beyond our little picture we have in our corner of our screen there, yeah. which um, look that up if you haven't already. If not, uh, you're, you're probably watching in the YouTube feed right now. Yeah. God damn it, is it glorious. Yeah, so it's a, it's a game made by Konami, which if you have ever heard of the Konami code, it's also known as the Contra code. Um, but I think it started here with this game, so it's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. That gave you 30 lives in Contra. Um, it originally came to arcade in 1986, the same year as Aliens, um, and what? then came out February the next year for home console. Seriously, this came out the same year? Yeah, yeah, the first Contra came out the same year as Aliens. Yep. Um, yeah, it came to the NES in 88. And also had ports to like some home computers and stuff, but 
yeah, like I said, this was like the original like hard game, but it's not hard for the sake of being hard. It's like when I think it's one hit you die. So um like if if you if you die, it's usually your fault. And uh man, it's crazy, but it um it's one that I've definitely never beat. I think I've got to the third or fourth level and then I run out of lives mm-hmm. and my thumbs are basically bleeding it's tough no it's a hard one i mean the best way to describe it it is both a run and gun shooter combined with bullet hell it's not it's 19 fucking 41 combi- or 1943 combined with uh oh i don't know uh contra <laughs> the sad thing is it even had a commodore 64 release oh god yeah they put this thing on everything uh. <laughs> um I don't even want to imagine what that looked like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But like, this is one that you could play with two players. So, I, I wonder how they accomplished that on the older hardware. That's that's nuts. But um, um, yeah, there's just like various changes throughout the different versions to to make it work. Obviously, like they had to change some sprites and whatever else. But um. It was, it was very popular. So, in Japan, it topped the game machine chart for like arcade cabinets in 1987. Um, in the UK, they called it Grizor for some reason instead of Contra. Uh, but it was a blockbuster hit there. Uh, obviously popular in the United States as well. Like this thing was just going gangbusters. Um, where I'm sorry, I'm just looking through my notes here. Um, yeah, at one point I think it was like 2000. Yeah, 2004. Um, the NES version, the original Nintendo version of Contra, was inducted into GameSpot's list of the greatest games of all time, and it was voted number one by the by IGN as being the toughest game to beat. Uh, Nintendo Power themselves ranked it as the seventh best NES game. So, like as you can see, it, it's got it's got a lot going for it. <laughs> um, All I can say is, whoever the hell called this hard apparently has never played Super Ghouls and Goblins before. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's like it's it's kind of like um, I feel like like dark souls is the the new contra type of thing where i'm not good enough to enjoy it but i understand why everyone else does right i was gonna say is it like the i'm just gonna say oh is the most modern version i want to be the guy but yes no you are correct um dark souls dark Souls. yeah yeah it's a it's a very i mean and everyone says oh this game is the dark souls of platformers and this one's the dark souls like no this is in the way that Dark Souls is tough, this is tough. Um, you got to memorize patterns. You got to remember exactly your placement, and you have to have near precision control on that D-pad. Yeah. So. Oh, and um, by the way, never stop spamming that B button. <laughs> yeah, and so in uh, I think it's Contra Two, they have this like this metal flying alien that's like like straight up just a xenomorph. Like, there's a lot of references to um, Alien in the Contra games, but there's also references to, 
you know, Predator with the with the character of of uh, the guy on the box art. Like one's obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger, the other's obviously Sylvester Stallone. So like it's a game full of references, but um, like they straight up rip off Alien. And I guess we shouldn't beat around the bush. Um, so for anybody who is able to see us actually in our feed. Uh, they can see right now one of my, I wouldn't say ugly little secrets, but one of my little things that only people who really know me know. I have an enormous xenomorph tattoo, which I know showing off to the camera. Woo, pretty. But, uh... <clears throat> yeah, needless to say, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a fan of this series. And, uh, yes, now the entire internet gets to behold that, yes, I am that big of a fucking dork. <laughs> Yeah. As I sit here wearing a bright blue Jaws t-shirt and a Godzilla Hawaiian t-shirt, <laughs> yes, now the internet knows I'm a dork. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I, my tattoos are just, like, dinosaurs. So. I've got one of the same dinosaurs as you do, I think. <laughs> Don't I? Uh, I think so. Yeah, at least real close. Oh, yeah. Indominus Rex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is always funny. These people always <laughs> see that one because it hangs so much lower on my shirt. So people at work are like, dude, I like your tattoo there i'm like oh thank you and i go they're not talking about any of the other ones they could see i'm like (laughs) uh yeah but um contra yeah so the first two games were like great everyone loved them the third one not so much i think it was the third one or maybe like some spin-off after the third one that was like straight up like a different game they made a third Uh, contra game oh there's a lot of contra games they made Contra games even long, like on N64 and like PlayStation 1. Uh, there was like a really good uh, Contra game for Super Nintendo. Um, I literally thought that those were just remakes of Contra 1 and Contra 2. No. <laughs> I no. thought it was literally Street Fighter 2 Syndrome. <laughs> no, but the 3D Contra games are ass. I think they only had like three good total games, like in, in total three. Wait, 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 wait. They made... 3D Contra games. Yeah, on the N64 and the PlayStation 1. They're awful. They're completely terrible. Don't play them. I'm not going to. I'm just (laughs) thinking, how do you fuck up a 3D Contra game? It's literally Doom Eternal 20 years before Doom Eternal. How do you fuck that up? Well, this was also before there was, like, really no standards for, like, shooter games in 3D environments, right? true but at the same yeah. time you should also kind of understand that maybe that's not the time to try to do in a 3d environment <laughs> fast-paced shooter yeah you know it's great to be the first but sometimes it's not the best to be the first it's best to be the best guys <laughs> yeah I, I well i think i think the development had you know changed hands more than a few times by this point oh Duke Nukem forever syndrome okay yeah or the or the published like konami wasn't going anywhere but i think like you know the directors for the game and stuff were being cycled through and you know things like that no office politics refresh me which is the company now that has switched entirely from making like fan favorite cult classic games um is it konami or capcom that is now making pachinko machines for the most part uh mostly capcom but both both of them are, are yeah they're they pretty much just like make mobile games and like gambling machines yeah so what you're saying is the more things change the more they stay the same yeah kind of <laughs> i mean 
they probably make way more money uh, off people with gambling addictions than they do off gamers with gaming addictions. So, way she goes, boys. Way she goes. But, um, yeah, if you are someone who likes a challenge and you haven't uh, picked up a Contra game, you know, do it. Check it out. You, uh, you, might, you might like it. I guess I should ask, what is your experience with Contra, really? Um, the, yeah, the farthest I got, and the, actually the last time I played a Contra game, was in, like, 2015. And every day for a week, I would try to play a couple hours. And by the end of the week, with the help of the Konami code for the 30 extra lives, I would get to about level 4, and my thumbs would be cramping, and I would be out of lives. So, that game is brutal. I am not that great at it. <laughs> As someone who's never even seen level three, I hear you. And I fully understand. Uh, to that, I will say that uh, my exposure to this game was actually by my cousins and some friends of mine uh, from when we were growing up in middle school. Or actually prior to middle school, just before middle school there. Um, my biggest kind of thing of knowing about this game which is probably gonna put a smile on your face is the game that was made as sort of a parody of this game i'd like to uh bring to the table something that should be adapted into either a live action film or an anime at this point oh, the oh fact boy. that it hasn't been i am sad oh boy what are we talking about here elmer one of my all-time favorites, the Neo Geo Classic Metal Slug. Oh, I had a feeling you were going to mention Metal Slug. Oh, I love me some Metal Slug. Metal Slug is good. Metal Slug is fantastic, and you cannot look me in the eye and tell me that it is not just a parody of Contra. It, it does have a lot of similarities with Contra, but it's much more arcade -y. That's what I mean, though. It's a parody. It's kind of yeah. making fun of the has of Has higher rewards and things like that. Yeah, great game. Metal Slug, that would be... I don't know if I would go and see that movie. I mean, I would see that movie because I have to for this show. <laughs> but that would not be a movie I'd be excited to see. I don't know. As, much, mean... as, as much as I love Metal Slug, I don't think there would, would be a, a good enough movie adaptation. I think we'd have a Michael Bay disaster piece on our hands. That's what we need, though. We need... We need the script writers as well as the animation department that did um, the second, that did the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie with Bebop and Rock Steady there, where they're driving through the jungle in a tank. That is the kind of action sequence we need for the Metal Slug movie. And if you tell me that that was not inspired by Metal Slug, that sequence, the, you're a goddamn liar. Get the Fast and the Furious writers. Oh God, Vin Diesel as one of the Metal Slug members. It's about family. It's about family. <laughs> It's about family. Um, but yeah, uh, so I guess we'll do two bops or flops today um, because we're actually talking about two different franchises. They just happen to be related to each other. So Contra, Elmer, bop or flop? I'm going to call that one a bop. Very influential in terms of its gameplay and sort of the helping to usher in the modern, or I wouldn't say the modern, but at least helping to provide a major stepping stone for the run-and-gun genre for its entire self. Um, you know, prior to the twin-stick shooter era, but you can see a lot of the influence that that game had in terms of your versatility as well as the speed of the controls of that game. Very much a buff. 
I mean a flop. Yeah, bop. Yeah, bop, uh, bop. <laughs> yeah, it's a bop for me as well. Uh, not because I'm good at it, but, I mean, it's just as intuitive and influential. Well, maybe not as influential, but intuitive and engaging and difficult as it was 30 years ago. Uh, Almost 40 years ago now. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, right? getting there. I mean, and it it's really it was really uh, impressive for its time. Like I remember, not even being able to get past the first level when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a good one if you like a challenge. Um, and I think you know what we're gonna say about the movie already. But Elmer, <laughs> why is this a bop? What's your what's your favorite what's your favorite uh, fact about this movie and why is it a bop? My favorite thing about this movie is the fact that Michael Bean, the great Michael Bean, was not the original person cast to play Hicks, nor was he the first person to play Hicks. At least two to three weeks of shooting had been done where the character of Hicks was played by the great character actor James Ramar, who has been in everything across the board, but always playing a really skeevy, gross character. He was going through a drug dependency issue and, is and was fired off this movie shortly, and I mean shortly, after the Hicks shotgun he was holding in his hand, <laughs> he accidentally set it off, because he had blanks in it at the time, and he wasn't paying attention, and he pulled the trigger. Fortunately, no one was in the way. He blew a hole in the wall they were at at Elstree Studios because with a blank, it's literally a paper and wax wad on top of a powder charge. So yeah, not nearly as dangerous it, as a bullet. You. You're still nearby. It's going to hurt like hell. Blew a hole through the wall, and the wadding landed next door while they were filming Little Shop of Fucking Horrors with Rick Moratis and Audrey too. As that happened, the gentleman who played Sergeant Apone in this, the guy who is the, or yes, the person who is the inspiration for Sergeant Johnson from Halo, literally whipped his head around and said, where the fuck did you get live ammunition? <laughs> <laughs> to be able to hear that would have been amazing, but that might be my favorite little tidbit from this movie. I love this movie. Like I've said, it's in like my top it's in my even by saying my top five which is technically like my top two and three it is in my top five favorite movies of all time it's 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 part of my top four favorite i adore this film i am so happy we decided to do this thank you so much <laughs> this is yeah. the greatest bop we could have ever awarded anything in <laughs> this, this category this this might be the best movie we will watch for the podcast um, but Until yeah. we do John Carpenter's The Thing in Dead Space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that could be that could be a fun one. Yeah, The Thing in Dead Space for sure. But um, yeah, this movie's a bop for me. Uh, I mean, I obviously, you know, growing up being best friends with this guy, you watch this movie quite a few times in your life. So um, yeah, definitely a bop. And I think my favorite fact about this movie that I didn't realize until Elmer told me today is the mech suit that that Ripley is piloting is just a big guy in a suit and she's standing on his feet and he looks like a mech and 
like once you hear that it's incredibly obvious but until someone tells you it's like this wonderful world of illusion that they uh, pulled off so that is quite impressive hilariously after this movie came out multiple like industrial like vehicle and like earth moving companies like bobcat and not tonka what's what's the actual real one uh with like the big mac like yellow trucks what's the name of them again um, oh uh yeah bobcat and but what's what's the other like main one that everyone thinks of when it's like the big Oh, jeez. Big dump truck company. Anyway, you guys know who I'm talking about. No joke, right after this movie came out, they got a bunch of calls from people going, Hey, uh, how do I get one of them power lifter suit things? I I need that for my job set. (laughs) (laughs) Which would be sweet. But uh, just imagine all the dead hillbillies. (laughs) You know? I wonder if I can scratch my balls with this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, so definite bop. Um, I'm, there, I'm guessing anyone who's made it this far into the podcast has seen the movie, but uh, this is your reminder to revisit it if it's been a while. It's a great watch. I just remembered a personal thing, like a personal connection both you and I have to this film. Oh I boy. don't know if you remember. Oh we boy. hooked up my sound system for my movie room you helped me build back in high school. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget it. We're just making sure the levels are input correctly and stuff like that. And my, we hear a knock on the wall upstairs. My dad goes, hey, can you keep it down a little bit? And I yelled up, sure, dad, we'll keep it down. And I turn and look at you and I go, point them at the walls. We pointed all the speakers <laughs> at the walls. We can't crank that fucker to 11. And I think, yeah, we threw on Thunderstruck by ACDC and we made every window in our entire house rattle right then and there. I just remember hearing the floor just... Boom, 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 boom. Knock it off. I I don't remember that. I don't I remember like I remember like hooking up the subwoofer and all the surround speakers, but I don't remember I think the main reason you don't remember that is because right after we did that and we figured that out, we both started laughing. We pointed the speakers back where they needed to be and we're like, okay, what are we gonna do first to really show it off? We thought for a sec or I thought for a second, I go, I got a good idea. I threw in aliens actually for us to rewatch it. But the first thing that came up was THX. And hearing it on the 7.1 surround sound around us to this day, I think you still make fun of me for it. I just turned and looked at you and went, Ree! <laughs> and I, I pitched re in the tone of the THX thing. And I'm just shaking my fist. I, like, I just think of Anakin Skywalker in the pod racer. It's working! <laughs> now I... Now I just want to replace that where it, it's just a screenshot of him holding his hands up in the air, making a new meme, but it just says re <laughs> above us. It is re. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so I think this is where we're going to end it. Uh, if you'd like to watch, find us on YouTube or find um, our live streams on Twitch or wherever you want to listen to us, um, go to gamelink.click. Um, you can find everything there. But on that note, um, let's see. Should we give him a hint to decide what we're going to do next week? You want to you wanna do Doom? Might as well bite the bullet. You know how much I love me some Carl Urban, and who the hell doesn't love Dwayne the Rock John? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, catch us next week with some Doom. But uh, until then, see you guys. Stay safe. Stay sexy.